Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Circuit. In Adventure Smart, we're diving into the world of adventurous travel. We're learning how to navigate the globe safely and wisely, venturing off the beaten path and embracing the unknown. If you're eager to delve deeper into the destinations and stories that we tell, visit CircaTravel.com and download the Circa app. That's C-E-R-C-A. Inside, you'll discover detailed maps, notes, and photos along with immersive guides to the world's most captivating places and top-tier travel podcasts. So strap on your backpack, turn on your headphones, and get ready for the first step into uncharted territory. Circa, love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it safely and smartly. I'm Dominique Ferrari, one of the co-founders of Circa. Now, some of my co-founders and I, we know what it's like to be tossed on a rubber boat in the middle of the Pacific, to be dangling over the edge of the Great Wall of China to be cutting through jungle with machetes, fending off camel spit in the desert, and running away from giant wheels of cheese hurtling down a steep hill. Yes, giant cheese. And the reason we know this is because for years, several of us at Circa were producers on shows like The Amazing Race. Incredible series that sent us around the world, showed us places we could never have dreamed of, and gave us some of the most incredible and risky experiences of our lives. And we live to tell the tale. And the man you're about to meet is arguably the reason why we did. He's Dr. Bob Parr. the head of security and risk management for some of the biggest, riskiest, and most beautiful travel shows ever made. His bona fides are as solid as they come. 
military special ops, private security, a PhD, and head of putting out international security fires for the biggest shows on Earth. Simply put, there's probably nobody more experienced than Bob at traveling a bit dangerously, going right up to the edge, or what seems like it, but not actually putting yourself in unnecessary danger. So when we set out to do a show about how to push the envelope when you travel and get out of your comfort zone and into the farthest reaches of the world, but to do so safely, there was no question. Bob Parr was the man to talk to. And I know this because he's the guy that taught us how to do it. One of my favorite moments at the start of every Amazing Race season was the security talk we got from Bob. I still use the lessons he taught me today, not just when I travel, but anytime I'm out in the world. He's the reason why I book certain floors in hotels or leave extra space between me and the car in front of me, seriously. And now we're bringing the best parts of these treasured talks right to you. So settle in for an incredible, wide-ranging conversation with literally the man we all think of as the actual most interesting man in the world. Dr. Bob Parr. We're going to cover the big picture stuff, things like situational awareness, risk assessment, medical, and more. That, plus location-specific advice for every corner of this planet, because Bob has been to them all. It's such good info. And we even found out some stuff we didn't know, though we were on the road with these TV shows for years. For example, what should you never, ever do to your suitcase when you travel? So now, let me introduce you to my good friend, Bob. Are you sitting comfortably? I shall begin. <laughs> my name is Bob Parr, known as Robert to my dearly departed mother and to my wife, but to the rest of the world, I'm a Bob. I'm from London originally. And when I was 18 years old, I saw a wonderful recruiting poster for Her Majesty's Royal Marines. And the recruiting poster had a bunch of speedboats uh, landing on some beautiful palm fringe beach in the Caribbean. And so I put my hand up for that and uh, found myself with great confusion wandering around the hills of South Almar in Northern Ireland, carrying a machine gun and a great big radio and covered in camouflage cream, still wondering where the hell are these speedboats that are going to drive in the Caribbean. I have to say... A great experience, unforgettable, very boring at times, very exciting at others. A couple of years came through that and gravitated to this thing called the Raiding Squadron. Driving small little open boats, working on and off the submarines, working up and down estuarine rivers, finding myself back in the frozen wastes of the Arctic North, driving a tiny little speedboat that would do about 35 knots and wind chill temperatures of maybe minus 60, minus 70, minus 80 on your skin, doing all that good old commando stuff. In amongst all of that, I discovered an organisation called the Special Air Service, which is otherwise known as the SAS. It's a Special Forces unit, part of the Army. And so I volunteered for that. I'm certainly not going to bore you with the subsequent 18 years of military history, but suffice it to say, everything you'd imagine those units are, what in the United States you would term Tier 1 Special Ops, uh, that organisation turned out to be, and lots of it. I worked in various operational theatres. I worked undercover doing close surveillance. I 
became a Ford aircraft controller, a naval gunfire support officer, I became a paramedic, I did all kinds of stuff. Great adventures, a lot of it of some international significance, but I ended up in 1999 coming out of that after 25 years of military service. And then I found myself contracted through quite a big British security company to work on a new American television show called The Amazing Race. Congratulations, guys. You are one of the three teams who will be racing to the finish line for $1 million. I was contracted as a security operator, and we bounced around the world, having great fun and adventure, trying to figure out how this show is meant to be made. This is on the run, because I was racing with the contestants. So I came away from it breathless, exhausted, starstruck to some degree. And I got a call from the owner of The Amazing Race, a guy called Bertram Van Monster, amazing man, telling me that I needed to get my skinny backside back over to Los Angeles because they were going to start scouting a second season. We started scouting the world and ultimately I worked 18 seasons of that show. And it was genuinely an amazing experience. I think we visited something like 90 different countries during those 18 seasons, spread over almost 10 years. And in the margins of that, I started doing other stuff. I started uh, producing myself. I established a small company to provide safety, security, medical support to productions. And so far, that company orbits quite a small one. It supported something like 350 productions around the world over the last 10 years, uh, some of the biggest shows. That spread the experience of travel. So when you work on a, a show like The Amazing Race, essentially what the creative people that put that show together have done, they've laid out what is essentially a magic carpet of travel in front of their contestants. And those contestants surrender themselves into this amazing competition. So in creating that magic carpet of riding, creating that pathway, we of course have to look at risk. And we of course have to manage those risks, have to manage them adequately. And you can do it in planning for your own travel. You don't have to be part of a television show. You don't need a whole bunch of people like me uh, behind the scenes trying to put something together. Even in your own personal travel, you still need to just project out there. And particularly if you're going to do independent travel, you need to project out there and just quantify risks that may be there, manage them sensibly, manage them without um, curtailing your activity and, and try to get a balanced view of the world out there. The world is actually a safer place than most people think. But however, you do still need to take cognizance of risks that may impact you. So getting out there then, following the pathway, having the experience of your journey, as we build this series of podcasts, what we hope to do is just to give you some key indicators and perhaps provide a little bit of inspiration so that you do take that step into the unknown, you do take the step off the beaten track and you do go out there with a frame of mind that's going to embrace new experience. Great thing about television is you can plan travel and you get travel brochures and maybe you speak to your mates who've been to a great place in Bangkok or whatever and then you go out there and you either conform to a travel schedule from a travel agent or go on the advice of other people and probably have a crap time because you can't actually find those places. But television 
it's creative. Television will take you using an amazing global imagination into global spaces and localised spaces that you wouldn't even have dreamed of. So supporting all of these shows over this years has been an incredible global experience. And right now, I think the... Uh, personally, I've worked and travelled into about 145 different countries. And those countries range from the most difficult, uh, high-intensity conflict arenas, uh, all the way through to the most beautiful Liechtenstein, Monte Carlo, peaceable places you could possibly imagine. More after the break. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The magic of television. And it really does feel like magic when you see it all unfold on the screen. Of course, for those of us behind the curtain, we saw the thousands of people, decisions, the planning that went into making that magic. And a lot of that magic rested on Bob's ability to do his job well. But that begs the question, what is Bob's job actually? In practice. So that's where we begin. We drilled down with Bob about what the foundation of his job as a risk manager is, especially when it comes to moving one, two, even 300 people around the world as part of an active filming television show. Where do you start? Well, the most basic place you start, Bob told us, can be defined by a simple equation. A measurement of real risk versus apparent risk. So as a risk manager for these television shows that are traveling vicariously around the world and sometimes into difficult areas, my role is to discern what is real in the context of risk and what is just apparent in the context of risk. In the management of risk, you always have apparent risk versus real risk. And when people are seriously exposed is when the real risk is high, but the apparent risk is low. It doesn't seem to be very risky, but it's really, really risky. Yeah. And the inverse is true. Sometimes the real risk is actually very, very low, but the apparent risk is very, very high. So what you're trying to do as a risk manager in television is go to the latter of those options. You want whatever your contributors, your on-screen people are doing, to appear very, very risky indeed. But you're trying to drill it down so the actual risk is very, very low. Simple example of that. Don't need to be in a television show to do this. Do a bungee jump. Uh, you're attached to a bungee cord. That thing's never going to snap. You're never going to die. You're never going to hit the rocks at the bottom. 
But when you're stood out on that tiny little platform and you're several hundred feet above the ground and you've got to pitch yourself off that thing head first, you, you can't even see that bungee cord. All you can see is the terror that surrounds you of having to throw yourself out into the void. And it is just the most unnatural act. Stepping into space for human beings, we, we're not born with wings. Just that step into space is a real uh, test of courage. So what I'm getting at here is that the appearance of risk is very, very high indeed. Uh, but the real risk is very, very low. So working with shows that are dynamic in nature, you're constantly trying to ensure that the risk is low, that the apparent risk is really, really high. It's called show business. It's business first. So you've got this very curious combination then of investors, people representing investors, usually quite a lot of money. And then down at the creative side, you have people that just want to put stuff on the screen, man. It's just got to be out there like, you know, and it's got to be bigger than everything. And it's got to be like crazy, man. And it's got to be so goddamn dangerous. So trying to manage those two polarities there, the creative vision, which of course can be reckless. And so it should be. It should aspire to recklessness is exactly what it should do. But then protecting both the investors and also the people that are both making the show and are featuring in the show. There's sort of that middle ground. And I found myself working in that middle ground. So my role is to pull people back from the cliff edge, so to speak, pull the creatives back from the cliff edge and protect the show, protect the investment, protect the people, but still give the creatives the excitement of what they need to actually put on screen. I suppose you could use maybe India as an example. Some people would look at India and say, but it's crazy. We can't take a show on the streets of India. We can't just travel on public transport right down in third class. You know, it's nuts. People get hurt. People get robbed. People get so-and-so. So as a risk manager, I would look at the, the reality behind those claims and figure, well, actually, how often do people get robbed on these trains that are like us? You know, they're people from the West, people from America, people from Europe. How often do they get robbed on trains? Is that a real risk or is it just an appearance of risk? Is it just a rumour? So I provide guidance and advice to the network on that basis and indeed to the production company on that basis. And if it was the truth that those people were at some risk of being robbed, then of course you're going to have to provide some kind of a security envelope for them. So you maybe need to do local hires of security staff, that type of thing, to actually accompany them. And that applies to virtually all shows. And then, of course, you have the difficult problems in a place like India of terrorism. There have been some profound atrocities. But if you look at the way bad guys do their business, you can very quickly discern patterns of behavior, patterns of bad behavior. They only do this bombing, say, on trains in this area. So if they're doing bombings and on trains and it's that area, if you're going to pass through that area, don't use the trains use another form of transport. You're still going to that area and you'll still get all of the creative dynamism that you want in your show, but you're not exposing your cast and your crew to the possibility of an encountering a bombing on a train. So you just take a very rational look at all of that and come up with a, a way of protecting, either by not going to the place or not going in that time or not travelling in that way.
Okay, so we're already getting into it, right? Truck bombs, terrorism, some scary stuff. But let me put you at ease for a bit. Something I always found remarkable about Bob is this. His job, or really all of his jobs, have required him to take a very hard, even pessimistic view of the world. After all, you can't really protect people from things that you can't even imagine. So as a risk manager, as military special forces, as security, it's often your job to imagine the worst. And yet, as you're about to hear, Bob isn't a pessimist. In fact, he couldn't be further from it. And that was actually one of the things about him that made me feel the safest of all when I worked on those television shows. If someone like him, someone who had been to the places that he had been to, and who had dealt with the conflicts that he had dealt with, both international and on screen, still had this marvelous view of the world and of the people in it, well, then what was I, and what are you, waiting for? Get out there. International travel is a safer process than most people think. The world is actually fundamentally a safe place, but there are bad people out there that would seek to do you harm or seek to deprive you of your personal possessions, and there are certain things in certain environments that you need to be aware of. Obvious things like heat or cold, weather dynamics, economy, money, how far your money will spread, how far it won't spread, things that will surprise you financially. But the bottom line is that it's a safer place. Most people, most people in the world, no matter what their situation, are basically going about their lives just trying to do the right thing by their families, trying to better themselves in life, and wanting peace, security. So when you look at the world as a potential environment to travel out into from your home, the best thing to do is to, first of all, exclude the places that you would not go to for obvious reasons. Right at the moment, you wouldn't go to Ukraine. Right at the moment, you probably wouldn't go to Iraq or Syria or Libya, Democratic Republic of the Congo, the Central African Republic. And there are a number of other places for obvious reasons. They're either in conflict situations or they're in post-conflict situations or they're fundamentally unstable. And then, having decided where you're going to go, just plan out what you want to do. This is the way that I travel. I just say, well, what is it I want to do? And then drill down into whatever risks you may feel are attached to those. I want to go, I want to, go to the markets of Ghana. Ghana's a fabulous country. There are certain security dynamics that you need to be aware of. There's certainly some safety dynamics you need to be aware of. But I've been into marketplaces over there actually completely on my own, and I've been perfectly okay. But been very careful. So you then start doing your planning to find out the fact of the matter. What is, what is the reality? Process of travel, though, travel itself. How are you going to travel around the world? You know, what, what, is, what is your idea of travel? If your idea of travel is just go and sick pink gins under a rosy sunset in the Raffles Bar of Singapore, Fantastic. If you just want to go on a grand shopping tour of America through all the great Gucci houses, I suggest, you know, go to the Doma or whatever it's called in Milan. I mean, it's fantastic, but it's fundamentally safe and it's beautiful. Go to places like that. Go to Paris. Go to Monte Carlo. But the world is a much bigger place than that, and there are much more interesting places to go. All of the obvious places have their place. I have to say that the most beautiful building I've ever been to, for sure, was the Taj Mahal. 
And you may say, well, that's a cliche then, isn't it? The Taj Mahal has a reputation of being the most beautiful building in the world. Go there, check it out. It is. Almost certainly. Crystal clear, gleaming white, multidimensional, and it is the only building I've ever looked at that brought a tear to my eye. It's absolutely sublimely beautiful. The essence of that is you can indeed, of course, go to the great iconic places of the world and have that great experience. And maybe that's the first thing that you should do. But once you've exhausted that, maybe you'll be looking at other places that are less well known. And the deeper you dig into any society, into any geography, into any culture around the world, the more enlightened you will become. In the West in particular, Northern Europe, North America, for sure, we live a very, very privileged kind of lifestyle. If you go out into parts of the world where there is significant poverty, where there is vibrancy of culture, where people are living their lives in a different way, their lives are genuinely integrated, you will gain an insight into the world that no amount of formal education and no amount of reading or indeed watching television shows will truly give you. It can be absolutely fantastic and it can be absolutely appalling as well. If you want to understand the full cornucopia of human experience, get out there and immerse yourselves. I personally have found the greatest wisdom, the greatest generosity and the most beautiful people amongst the poorest people on the planet. What other cultural value sets? I'll give you another takeaway. You'll find the greatest wisdom at a very elemental level in amongst the poorest of people. And to me, that is one of the great gifts of travel around the world, is to take us away from the, uh, the selfishness and the, it's what I term the, the me-me society. It's all about me. Take yourself out into the rest of the world, see how other people live their lives, and you will come back an enriched person. What kind of a journey do you want to have? What kind of an overseas experience do you want? Do you want the kind of overseas experience where everything is just preordained for you? Where you're going to go out, cruise on a ship, and there are these things that go ashore, and you can choose A, B, C, D, E, and then you're going to come back, and you know there's three meals a day, you know that there's cocktails in the evening. You've got a nice cabin, there's going to be a show on. If you want that kind of a very, very structured thing, that's okay, and it has great value to it, and fantastic, go off and have a good time. What we're suggesting here is that there is an infinite number of alternative possibilities. And really, just like in making television shows, the only thing that constrains you is your imagination. And as the great author Ransom said in his book, To Swallows and Amazons, quite a famous children's book, never be sorry for a might have been. Don't get to my age, which is like 104, and be sorry and upset and disillusioned with yourself that you didn't actually step out there and, and have experiences that you might otherwise have embraced. I did all those years with The Amazing Race, 10 years of travel through 90 different countries or whatever it was. And of course, the additional scouting that we did, we scouted quite a few countries that we didn't actually use. So I made an absolute point right from the beginning of it at always keeping my eyes open. And I think one of the things that we do when we travel, and particularly when we're traveling between an A and a B, 
I've arrived at the airport. I'm going to go to the hotel. I'm at the hotel. I'm going to go and view the pyramids. I'm at the pyramids, etc., etc. And when we're at the hotel, of course, we're doing what we need to do at the hotel. When we're at the pyramids, we're going, wow, amazing. But the bits in between, we tend to switch off. We're checking our email. We're dozing in the back of the cab. And we're not watching what is to the left and the right of us. I became hugely conscious of that. I was always very, very tired on the Amazing Race, absolutely exhausted because it was constant travel. But I tried as hard as I could to always pay attention to where I was, to look left and to look right. And sometimes you get just these most amazing scenes, whether it's scenes of poverty or affluence and wealth, whether it's scenic beauty, traveling on the train, great train journey we did between the south of Vietnam and the north of Vietnam. I just hung out of a window and I just watched that landscape and those scenes going past. The people in the fields, oxen carts and tilling the rice paddies and the purple clouds over the mountains in the distance and this good old steam train going along through this amazingly scenic landscape. If you do that when you travel, if you keep your eyes open, you'll always remember the pyramids and you can go and buy a book about the pyramids and you can see a video about the pyramids or whatever. Famous. But the bits in between, nobody's writing books about that. And the images that you'll capture and the smells that you'll smell and the sights that you'll experience and the memories that you'll take away will arguably have more significance to you than the iconic places of the world that you're going to go and visit. Indeed, the iconic places of the world, the Great Wall of China or the Pyramids or the Eiffel Tower, they're so famous and so well-known as they're almost cliched. And you could find everything there is to know about all of those things through research, through the internet, through whatever. But the rest of it, nothing is ever going to replace those memories for you. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Adventure Smart. Huge thanks to Bob for his invaluable expertise. When you listen in the Circa app, you'll also unlock pictures and maps and information on everything in our podcasts and guides, including this one. And the best part? You can contact local concierges directly for any queries, ensuring that your adventures are as enriching and safe as possible. Throughout this series, Bob will be your guide to embracing the thrill of travel while ensuring your safety. Together, we'll venture into some of the world's most exhilarating and lesser-known destinations, where you'll learn the art of navigating challenging environments confidently and securely. Bob will help you with the skills and knowledge to travel like a pro, sharing critical insights and strategies for safe and adventurous exploration. We'll help you to level up your travel experiences. Listen to Adventure Smart, a traveler's bootcamp on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or download the Circa app. That's C-E-R-C-A. In there, you'll find an extensive collection of city and country guides, travel podcasts, and more. Visit CircaTravel.com. Circa, love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it.